locked on to the big show presented by big o tires stop by your locally owned big o tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires big o tires the team you trust this is 97.5 1280 the zone and the zone sports network Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Want to remind you about our friends at Miki Couture. Uh, the best blanket ever is also the best gift for Valentine's Day. Get 30% uh, right now uh, on any regularly priced blanket with code word WELCOME30 on MikiCouture.com and take care of that uh, Valentine's Day gift. Or visit a location near you, Ogden, Layton, Draper, Orem, Sugarhouse, and St. George. Miki Couture for Valentine's Day. That's Miki Couture. And again, that uh, promo code is uh, is WELCOME30. All right, it's time for your daily assist. Let's get to it. Hit it, Eric. It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for The Athletic, Sam Amick. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. That's right. He makes the magic happen for The Athletic. Senior NBA writer and our good friend Sam Amick. What's up, Sam? How are you? Good guys, thanks for having me. Hang in there. Hey, we've got a lot to get into uh, with you today. Uh, some of your writing uh, very timely with you joining the show today. But want to get your thoughts off the bat on the 11 game win streak for the Jazz and having it come to an end uh, abruptly against the Nuggets. So, what are you going to, uh, you know, what are you taking from that hot streak from the Utah Jazz? They look good. I mean, they, you know, we talked every week about the depth and the new layers that they've kind of added with, you know, Mike Conley playing out of his mind and Clarkson taking another step off the bench. And I think I've been a little guilty of, uh, of not giving enough love to Derek Favors as another important piece, you know, and, and even, you know, Royce O'Neal. And they just, they have a chemistry that partly comes with the continuity, you know, but also just, it's not the same old group, even if a lot of the characters are the same, you know, I mean, Mike's uh, comfort level is, is a major, major factor. And then obviously Donovan and Rudy doing their thing. Yeah, the, uh, the Denver game, it's crazy that you can win 11 in a row, which is, you know, kind of you would imagine to have that kind of a stretch be above reproach, if you will, and then have a game like, you know, against a team in the Nuggets that is kind of perceived as the same, you know, tier or similar to you in the West. And, and then have questions still kind of lingering. They're like, all right, they're playing well, but – what did that Nuggets game mean? You know, we don't know. And, and then they turn around. And uh, the Detroit game obviously touched around a little bit at the end and gave up that lead. But, but you know, they hung on. But they looked really good. I think, that, you know, my conversation with Rudy talking about the prospect of actually pushing for a title, I, I can see where some of that, that uh, vision is for him. Sam, in your mind, are there buts? I mean, are there things that you just have to be convinced of yet to believe that this is a true contender? Well, I mean, some of it is like the the uh, the typical ebbs and flows of a season, and, and trying to to kind of recalibrate on what each team's identity is, if that makes sense. And, and specifically, like, okay, we have a good sample size right now. It's almost a third of the way through the year. But <laughs> to your question, Gordon, the big but would be, you know, do I think that they're going to shoot at this kind of a clip from three point range? All year long, probably not. 
you know, so I guess that would be a but. Um, do I think they're going to, you know, avoid, uh, I, and, and correct me if I'm forgetting certain things, but, you know, avoid for the most part any real significant health problems? Uh, you know, that's something that, that is always going to nip both teams in the bud. So, um, but I do think it's not just that team from last year playing better. Um, it is a team that has made additions and a team that has developed in, in the kind of way that I think is pretty impactful. All right, Sam, you mentioned your interview with Rudy, and uh, I went through it. I, I, I thought you did a terrific job, and, and uh, it was a really, really great piece up at uh, theathletic.com. would encourage uh, everybody to check it out. But you talked a lot about his, or you asked him a lot about his relationship with Donovan Mitchell. And, of course, we remember back to the summer when you had some, uh, some reporting on that relationship. So I guess my question is, you know, from – uh, from that point to this point, uh, talk about your take on the evolution of their relationship. Uh, it's impressive to me. Um, first of all, as a quick aside, uh, and I'm uh, on a lighthearted front, I guess, you know, I, I owe you guys a few extra minutes this week since last week as I abruptly jumped off the show. <laughs> that was actually the, uh, that was the, the Ruby interview, and I didn't handle that as, as uh, you know, elegantly as I should have, so apologies for that. Um, oh, all good. Well, Austin, we, Austin warned us that that might happen, so we we forgave yeah, him. Yeah, no, I just you know I I just admittedly I felt bad because it was so abrupt. But you know we talked last Thursday, um, you know in the afternoon when I was on the air with you guys, and I, I didn't know when he was going to call. And I like Rudy, and, and my favorite part of that conversation was, um, and this kind of goes for all the jazz, they're just not really afraid to talk about their own stuff, um, and they have a kind of a maturity within their group that honestly is, is really appreciated um, from my perspective in terms of dealing with them in the media, because for Rudy to be, you know, reasoned enough to sit there and talk through some of that stuff, even though, but, you know, I, I don't think he was real thrilled with us at the time for putting the spotlight on his relationship with Donovan was, I thought stand up of him. And, and in terms of how I think they got through it and to his credit, he didn't want to sit there and, and talk out of school too much and share every detail, but they obviously had a series of really honest phone conversations in the moment, you know, back in the, the kind of um, March and April time heading into the bubble where, well, I guess it'd be April and May where, uh, you know, they got real honest with one another. And I think to be honest, the media stuff might've expedited those conversations a little bit because Rudy made it sound like, you know, he felt like the, the noise was uh at such a decibel level that he wanted to address some of the stuff with Donovan and, and, and they kind of got on the same page again. And I saw some of that in the bubble where, you know, I'm a sucker for the human component of covering the game. And, and I'd, I would watch the interactions with Donovan and Rudy and wonder where they were at. And you could tell throughout the course of that experience that the whole group had really found a way to get through it together. And, and even, you know, the night they lost to Denver in the first round, uh, it really struck me that it didn't look like a, a bunch of guys that, that kind of fragmented off in different directions. They spent time together um, back in the bubble after the game, you know, and, and kind of commiserated and through, kind of went through that pain together instead of uh, jumping into, you know, their own room and doing their own thing. So Rudy just, you know, he made it. One comment that is so simple but so true that stuck with me was that he said, winning makes me happy. And he looked at the Jazz situation and assessed it from a basketball standpoint and, and then thought about how special it would be 
to potentially deliver, a, you know, the franchise's first championship uh, in that market and just kind of said, you know, I'm all in. And that, that was a big reason why you know, we signed that exception. Sam, the, let me ask it this way, because this could be going either direction. Do you think the fact that they both signed around $200 million contracts, uh, is that an indication that, yes, they were feeling good about each other? And I guess the second part of that, does it bode well for the future that they that they have they are more comfortable now? I mean, I, some of the problems with Rudy last year, we all sensed it, that he wanted the ball more. He wanted to prove his worth. Well, now all that's been settled. And so it seems like it would be easier for the two of them to, to settle in and get along and, and, and do so at a high level. They both want to win. That's clear as day. But uh, did, did that does that help? Oh, I think for sure. Um, it's funny, Gordon, because on our website today, and I haven't read I, all of this story yet. I read a, a fair amount. David Aldridge had a pretty interesting piece asking the question of of why the NBA continues to not value defensive players. And he, he talked about Bill Russell and the history of his impact and how in today's game, you know, he had a line that said, you know, um, if he was in this era, he might have gotten the Clint Capella, you know, five-year, $90 million contract or something like that. And everybody pushed back on the article and said, well, what about Rudy Gobert? Because he is now the outlier. He is the guy who got paid largely for being a defensive presence. And I do think, to your question, that that relieves pressure. Because the, the harsh reality of the league is that if you're a player like Rudy and you're looking around going, man, I'm a two-time defensive player of the year. I know how important I am and that this team can't have, you know, the elite defense it has without me. But, I, you know, but unless I average 17, 18, 19, 20 a game, I'm not going to get paid like the kind of elite talent that I believe I am. And now he has been paid that. You know what I mean? And to his credit, I, I, the negotiations, you know, during the process, I checked in on it, and there were times when, when uh, the Jazz weren't entirely sure that something was going to get done, that it was a bit of a 50-50 prospect. But Rudy, as he's talked about publicly, decided to leave some money on the table. That was not a max contract. I know it's a ton of money. I know that you know, Shaquille O'Neal has been critical of all the money Rudy got. But, but like I wrote in the interview, it, it's, I know it's crazy for the fans to process this, but you know, times have changed. The NBA is making so much money that the $35 million player – you know, in today's game, is legitimately like the $13 million player back in uh, in 2004, 2005, when Shaq was at his peak financially. And so, um, I think sometimes the numbers skew, you know, the, the reality of, of how these players and their money fit into their team system. You know, Rudy's, uh, it sounds crazy, but he's only taken up about 30-plus percent, you know, of the uh, the cap for the Jazz. And, and I think that contract was, was a wise move by them. And one that, they, to your question, I do think relieves pressure because um, I think a lot of that angst on Rudy's part in terms of the offensive end was very likely tied to his own aspirations, the contract was. Sam Amick is with us here on uh, 97.5 and, and 1280 The Zone. And, and sticking with the, the Rudy interview here for a second, Sam, you know, I have covered the NBA long enough to have several examples of, uh, you know, the, the outward messages. Uh, this team is all best friends and the chemistry is just amazing. And they, you know, they celebrate holidays together and all that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, right. oftentimes, or at least sometimes, that, that isn't exactly the case. 
Um, you asked Rudy about, uh, obviously, the chemistry with the team. You mentioned uh, a comment that Joe Ingles had made about the, about the chemistry of the group. So my, I guess my question to you is, is, do you buy it in this particular circumstance, and how much does chemistry in the locker room actually matter? Um, I mean, it's, I don't know the answer to that because, you know, it's, it's always that question of does winning breed chemistry or chemistry breed winning. Um, you know, if, if times are tough and they go on a 10-game losing streak, you know, are you going to see some cracks? Yeah, of course, you know, and, and, and so maybe that's when the, the collective character gets revealed a little bit. I mean, do I buy it? I do. Um, I, think, I think part of what happened – in March and April, that I think I have a little bit more understanding of now than I did then, um, is that, you know, we got to remember, Rudy, Rudy was under the, the spotlight because of being the first player publicly known to contract COVID. Then, as he has talked about since, it sounds like he went into a bit of a hole when it comes to uh, the, the personal side of things. He focused on his own family. He focused on his situation. But, you know, I forget if this was in the story, but I know at the time some people close to the team were trying to figure out what to make of the fact that he there were some, uh, some like, team Zoom calls that he wouldn't take part in, didn't jump on it. And to us, that was a real sign that he was very distant. And to some people with the team, they didn't agree. It was like, listen, you guys don't understand how intense this has been, and we're giving people their space, and it really needed his space. And eventually, I think, when he saw – a little bit like how big that snowball had grown, if that makes sense, in terms of the the kind of the noise around the team. That's when he eventually got to work trying to fix some of it. And, you know, within all of that, there were people like Joe Ingles who sat there saying, you know, to everybody who would ask, like, just calm down and let it play itself out. And he, you know, and he quoted in that piece in March or in April saying that he thought that ultimately they would be fine. Um, so yeah, I do buy it. And I think when you've got, I mean, personality wise guys, like, you know, I, I do enjoy Rudy. Uh, and then on top of that, you got Donovan, you got Joe, you got Mike Conley. These are legitimately some of the, in terms of reputation, these are some of the best guys in the NBA. I mean, those, those five guys alone might be in the top 30, you know? Um, and I think that that's the kind of thing that along with somebody like Quinn Snyder, who has that same fabric and, and, you know, the guys in the front office too, I think that has played a big part here. Man, Sam, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I remember writing a column after that happened with Rudy and the whole league shut down that people were blaming Rudy Gobert for shutting down the league. I mean, it, it was intense. And there was this feeling within the team that Rudy had been irresponsible. And, it, I mean, can you imagine what that would feel like? And, and right. The problem is – that COVID wasn't a Rudy deal; it was a worldwide deal. I mean, but but he took he took an awful lot of a, uh, the brunt of it, I think, from a from a media and from a perception standpoint, and he, and he shouldn't. Hundred percent, yeah. Well, and I I look back and you know I wrote a column the day before he tested positive that that I, I've looked back at a couple of times, and it's honestly kind of surreal to read it because it was like you know the headline was something like you know. Um, on, on the NBA and why they need to avoid their patient zero. And it, it had numbers in there of, like, where the country was at in terms of cases and deaths. And I think the day before, uh, and I'm pretty sure I have this accurate, there, there had been 32 American deaths. 
uh, nationwide. Uh, and so at that time, the numbers were so relatively small that it, it seemed like you could maybe keep it out of the NBA. And then when really got it, it was, I think that's where the blame came his way. That, you know, oh, it, it found its way in through Rudy Gobert. And now we know that that, I mean, that's absurd, you know, that type of thinking. Um, but it was, it, I mean, even the, you know, the, the thing with the press conference the day before when he touched all the microphones, I, I had some people in the comment section of our story, of the interview, asking me why I didn't ask him about that. And I'm sitting there going, good Lord, he's addressed it about a dozen times. Um, not to mention the one part that, that I still think gets glossed over in that situation was that, you know, listen, the optics are terrible. The choice was terrible. But the intent to me matters, and, and you guys know this, like that day, that was his way of sending a message to local reporters that even though the NBA is basically telling me that I should be afraid of you and that you need to stay away from me, you know, we're all in this together and, and I'm not afraid. And, and it was a poor choice, but, you know, the spirit of it matters to me, but the optics were really, really bad, and, and he took a beating for that. So um, I think, again, a lot of that is why that disconnect between him and everybody at that point that happened was kind of the, the root of why people started wondering if they could keep this whole thing together. Switching gears a little bit, Sam, because I do want to ask you about uh, tonight's opponent for the Jazz. That's the Atlanta Hawks. And uh, I, I've got to admit, they're one of uh, my favorite teams in the league to watch. Sneaky fun to watch, as, uh, as I say. But what do you think about them and, and what they're trying to build there in Atlanta? Yeah, I like them a lot. Um, you know, yesterday's game was interesting. They played Dallas, and you had the, um, you know, the, the Trey Young versus Luka Doncic matchup. You know, that obviously goes back to the draft where the Hawks, you know, kind of had a, a shot at Luka, and they pass him up and do the trade and uh, and, and bring, uh, forgetting who else, oh, Cam Reddish would have been the other, you know, the pick that became Cam Reddish in that deal. So, like, Trey has been a player who has not only been interesting kind of on his own in a vacuum, but a guy where it's like, you know, we're, we're judging him in relation to Luka, in relation to some of these other young stars, but now he's got some help, and they've got, you know, a, a really, really underrated, fantastic veteran in Danilo Gallinari, and John Collins is emerging, and uh, John Rondo is bringing in some veteran help, and, and other guys, too. You know, they lose Bogdan, Bogdanovich for most of the year, which is a, a tough injury, but they look good lately. They dropped the game yesterday, um, but they, they have a good thing going. They're offensively fantastic. On um, most nights, you know, Trey's a little hot and cold, but, but he's had a, a really good run here about the last eight, nine days. And, and I'm with you. They are, they're a league pass, you know, kind of favorite of mine as well. Um, and, you know, we wrote something about them earlier in this year where, you know, we talk a lot about the Jazz dynamics. You know, the, the Hawks dynamics have been – tricky at times as well and and just basketball stuff but like you know john collins didn't get an extension done with the hawks during the brief off season and so you know sees himself as a max player and wants max money and you know and now is going to be a restricted free agent going into this coming off season and within all that you know the reporting we had was that you know he was pretty critical of trey young in in a film session about a month ago, and, and they've been trying to work out their issues where, you know, you, these teams are there for every team. That combination of, yeah, we all want to win, but we all want to get paid. And, you know, are we going to be selfish or are we going to sacrifice? And 
So Atlanta's been trying to, to kind of work through all of that, but they're dangerous. I mean, they, they're one of those teams that, that on any given night can, can beat anybody in the league. Sam, the Jazz are atop the West, percentage points ahead of the Clippers. What is the relationship between them being 16-5 and five right now and success in the postseason? This relates back to what we were talking about before, but is there a relationship? How much of a relationship is there there, and does that mean that they really uh, – I guess what I'm asking is what's the difference between the regular season and the postseason? It's hard to tell. I mean, it sounds weird to say about a, a team, you know, that blew a 3-1 lead in the first round, but but by and large, I liked how they played in the first round against Denver, and then you then you see what Denver went on to accomplish, and you kind of tip your cap. And so, you know, I, I, that's a, a, you know, on paper, that's a playoff failure that you would say now kind of, stigmatizes them as one of those teams that can't get it done in the postseason. Well, I don't know. I'm not sure if that's the case. Um, you know, the defense wins championships moniker, you know, holds up in terms of their identity. And then it just becomes, you know, when you are facing uh, defensive, you know, or playoff defenses, I guess, where everything is, is up a notch in the postseason like it is, you know, can you still hit your shots? Can the, the Conleys and the Clarksons and, the guys like that do their thing. You know, we saw how dominant Donovan could be. Um, that's a very long-winded way of saying I really don't know. And, you know, I can't wait to see because right now I, for sure I kind of got those guys pegged as a, a top-four team. He is Sam Amick with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone making his weekly appearance. Sam, thank you so much. Really enjoyed uh, your interview and your piece on Rudy Gobert and would encourage all of our listeners to give it a read. But uh, thought it was great. Thanks for coming on. You got it. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week. Thank you, Sam. There you go. That's our friend Sam Amick. Uh, joins us each and every Thursday here on The Big Show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, Rudy, um, Gordon, I'm not sure if you have had had, had a chance to read this interview, but Rudy, uh, if you know, goes into depth on on, uh, on the relationship with Donovan and, and kind of what went on with the team and how he handled that. Uh, Sam uh, alluded to the phone calls, but, you know, kind of a theme in it is um, – that Rudy and Donovan put themselves in each other's shoes and that helped them, um, you know, make their relationship salvageable after all. And I, I, I thought that that was cool coming from Rudy because that's a lesson sometimes we could all listen to, right? We have a little empathy and uh, put ourselves in, uh, in someone else's shoes. You know, oftentimes that leads to a little something we like to call perspective. But I, I thought that that was really insightful in that interview and, and not something I'd really heard him elaborate on until now. And that's a lesson for everybody to learn, right? Yep, that's what for I'm the, saying. I think we can all take that. Yeah. It's, when you have people like Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell uh, who are conscientious people, and, and I don't know if I can use the word reasonable or not because both of them are high-strung. Both of them are, are, are elite at what they do, and so sometimes that can get in the way. But they are—they are. I think they are reasonable people, and I'm not here to say that only unreasonable people get in disputes, because that's—that's that's not the case. But it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me that they were able to to find their way through that. And there are some people, and there are some players 
who would want something like that bubbles up, I I would be surprised if they could work it through. Well, and not to, uh, you know, you always accuse me of going back and pointing out when I'm, I'm right. But uh, when we were talking about this initially back in the summer, it was like, just give it some time. We're in a weird situation. Let this water go under the bridge. Give them some time to figure it out. Because, you know, what was always true about this situation is Rudy and Donovan both have uh, a lot of reasons to play nice. You know, they've, they, they can mutually benefit each other uh, so much that they had a lot of reasons to, to figure it out. And I'm not saying that, that their differences weren't significant, certainly at the time. I, I totally get that, and Rudy goes into it. But, you know, they had a lot of reasons to um, be open-minded and to figure out how to get things on the right track. And, and I remember a, another conversation that we had, Gordon, when we said, well, how's the bubble going to be um, – on this relationship, right? Because you're, you're going to be in close quarters and spending a lot of time together and there's no going home, you know, there's no blowing off steam. It was all, you know, and it seemed to me like the that could really have a positive or a negative impact. And by all accounts, it really had a positive impact on this whole team, not just their relationship, but, you know, in, in a weird kind of way, um, it was a positive to have that fracture because I think it, it made them readdress some things and, and have that empathy that we were talking about. So in a, in a weird way, I think it's actually been a, a real positive. You can't see me right now, but I'm saluting uh, your foresight. Hey, that's my guy, Gordon. You just brought a <laughs> smile to my face. That just made my day. You know? Well, well when you're right, you're right, and you were right. And so what you're saying is that they had reasons for being reasonable. Right. Yeah, they had some they had some self interest there in in patching up the relationship, <laughs> and that you know what like like Kobe and Shaq. I mean that doesn't always that doesn't always happen, right. but but you, you I think you characterized it well. I mean these are two reasonable people who I think are both intelligent and certainly intelligent enough to take a step back and and think okay, well it would be to my benefit to to work through this and and again coming back to empathy, Gordon and. Uh, it's a it's a powerful thing, you know. See see something from somebody else's perspective, and maybe it will adjust yours a little bit. And good well, for them. Good for them. It's very that's a very mature thing, right? You brought up a good example there with Kobe and Shaq. If those guys had been able to work through what was ailing them, they would have won more championships. And yes, both of them went on and won championships separate. But wasn't that frustrating? That that. Uh, <laughs> That, that people sometimes can't find a way. And I understand that in relationships this happens, and and I don't want to get into people's personal lives and because they, they have their reasons for not being able to work things out. But in a professional relationship, you'd think you'd be able to, especially when championships are on the table for you. Yep. And the Jazz haven't reached that level yet, but certainly that's their intention. Yep. I mean, both Rudy and Donovan have talked about that openly, that that's their goal, that that's what they want to do. They've been quite honest about that, not in a bragging way, but just in a way that, hey, man, that's why we're doing this. And there might be a few million dollars involved as well, but, I mean, certainly <laughs> yeah, they're motivated. <laughs> some, guys, some guys talk a good game, but they don't care, Jake. They're just collecting the paychecks, and they are substantial. I truly believe when Rudy Gobert talks about wanting to win a title, it, it's coming from the heart. Yeah. And, and I think the same thing about Donovan. I, I believe these guys, and I think they put two and two together and decided, yeah, we can we can make this work and, and uh, get paid doing it. 
but uh, the 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 motivation is still there for both of them to work together in in order to become a true contender. All right, uh, big thanks to Sam uh, for jumping on with us as he does each and every week. Want to remind you, we're going to be at the warehouse coming up tomorrow from two to six, eighteen twenty-five South Three Hundred West. Price is so low it'll blow your mind. It's the warehouse. Gordon, we'll get to more coming up next. You want to you want to mash in a, a quick not sports report since we're not going to have it at four fifty today. Oh sure, I'll do that. All right, well no let's do a little a little early not sports report coming up next. Stay tuned. Ninety seven five and twelve eighty the zone. Check this out. And now your not sports report on 97.5-1280 the zone and the zone sports network. Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for the not sports port at a different time because uh, jazz pregame will take over at 4:30. Uh, normally we do the not sports port, of course, at 4:50. We're bumping it up today. It's brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Check them out. LHMUsedCars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? We're going to three different places. I've got three tidbits to pass along today for the not sports report. Okay. Okay. The first one is apparently elevated radiation levels were uh, detected in uh, in a containment building at the research neutron reactor of the National Institute of Standards and Technology that's in Maryland. So during a restart of the reactor on Wednesday morning, they they said they were uh, detecting excess radiation. So my question to you, Jake, is uh, because a couple of trained radiation workers were exposed to the elevated levels, would you feel comfortable living in that neighborhood or the neighborhood of any reactor of any kind like that? Um, so that's an interesting question. And uh, uh, so nuclear energy is actually safer than most people think. And those types of incidents are really few and far between. You but, mean like Chernobyl? Yeah, right. Well, that was a long time ago, right? And that, that kind of is what everybody thinks of when it comes to nuclear power. And uh, it's it's certainly a lot safer than that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'd probably feel comfortable, sure. Well, I'm not so sure. I, I don't know. I Maybe it's because I'm ignorant to it. But uh, I don't think I would want my house right next door to that particular location the second story is this a woman in india left her pet leopard in the bathroom with her dog uh, locked in the bathroom and this is the remarkable part of this the leopard escaped through the ceiling but did not harm the dog isn't that remarkable i don't know maybe it wasn't hungry (laughs) Okay. It just I mean, if you like... were uh, if you were locked in the bathroom with a cow, I bet the cow would make it out. 
<laughs> yeah, but I don't make it my business to like take a sledgehammer to the cow and you know process the meat right there. If you were uh, locked in the bathroom right now with a full pizza, some pizza would probably make it out of there, right? Some would, but not all. That's for sure. Not all. What if you so were just in the eaten, case? Like, in this uh, case, then the dog might be missing a leg or something. Or well, what if uh, you had just eaten Thanksgiving dinner and then were locked in there with a pizza? <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess it would depend on how long I was locked in there, and I don't know how long the the leopard and the dog were locked. The leopard is probably just a little claustrophobic. He wasn't thinking about eating. He was thinking about get me out of here. <laughs> well, that's what he did. So, good. I was glad to know that the dog uh, escaped harm. And then the third story is this. Out of a woman who was traveling from China to New Zealand, Jake, she she was trying to smuggle cacti into New Zealand. She strapped nearly a thousand succulents and endangered cacti to her body in the attempt to smuggle them into New Zealand. Apparently, these plants are worth a whole lot of money in New Zealand, maybe up to $10,000. And she was... <laughs> Does that sound like a good idea, to strap cacti to your body? She was stuffing them in her socks. How much was she trying to make? This this was for money? It says, uh, it says that uh, the... Uh, the, uh, the <laughs> What she tried to smuggle in was worth more than $10,000, yes, New Zealand dollars. And what's the downside here? How much time is she going to be doing? That I don't know. Her name is Wendy, and she, I don't know why. That name just it makes me laugh for some reason. But uh, she, uh, she Wendy, what's her last name? Lee. Uh, so anyway, she was trying to, uh, get those plants in there. Yes. For money. Well, that's a lot of dough. Why else would she do that? You think she just wanted a bunch of cacti in her house? I'd smuggle some cactuses for uh, 10 grand. Is it cacti or cactuses? I don't think it's cacti, but maybe it is. She was sentenced to a hundred hours of community service. So she's not doing hard time. But I, I think, you know, those prickly little plants would be, (laughs) Would you poke yourself with a bunch of cacti or cactuses uh, for $10,000? Sure. Why not? If I grabbed a big cacti, cactus and just stuck you in the leg over and over and over again, for that would grand? be worth it? For yeah. ten grand? Yeah. Bring it. Have you ever been stuck by a cactus? I've never had ten grand in my hand at one time. <laughs> I don't think it would be worth it. No. Oh, no. bring it on. Says a, well, says a guy who heats his home with uh, uh, ten grand worth $100 bills. <laughs> not, not true. Not true at all. Says the but guy, I have been around enough cactuses to know that you don't want to touch them, let alone stuff them in your socks. Says the guy who, uh, when he fills up his car, uh, puts a gallon into the garbage can just because he can. <laughs> oh, stop it. Not true. Are you kidding me? <laughs> See Gordon with the nozzle into the garbage can. All right. That would be actually dangerous. Stay tuned. We'll have more big show coming up next. We'll get to what's going on at 4 Jazz pregame at 430, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. 
This is DJ and PK. Time to welcome in Ken Pomeroy, owner of KenPom.com. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. It is time for a trydaytrading.com market update. Now, anyone can be a day trader. Visit trydaytrading.com. Gordon, how the markets do today? Got a happy report for the markets on this particular 4th of February. The Dow was up 332 points, a little better than that. The NASDAQ up 167 points, and the S&P up Nearly 42 points. All right. So we had a good day out there today, huh? Good day. Good, solid day. Yes. Well, that's good news, you know. Uh, Gordon, so I, how, much do you, how much do you think you got today? Me? I have no clue. How, no, how, how much wealthier are you right now than you were yesterday? Not really. You know what, Gordon? Uh, I haven't. Uh, I make it a point not to check my 401k. Doesn't that drive people nuts when you follow the day in and day out of your 401k? So I haven't checked. Probably mine. better not to. Yes, I, I haven't checked mine in a while. So I don't know. I don't know how things improved for me, but. But I know a man of your means also has other investments, and so I, I just hope everything's working out well for you. That's what about you, Gordon? You going down to the Maserati store after the after the show? <laughs> no. No. You're putting no, a new no, uh, no. putting a new Lambo in the in the garage. No. <laughs> I only have one Porsche. I might go get, uh, you know, some fresh biscuits from the grocery store. But other than that, no. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to ask you the, uh, the the pretentious question that Chrissy Teigen threw out on Twitter. Uh, she <laughs> she said, what's the most expensive thing you've eaten that you thought sucked? And her example was, uh, she said this, she said, one time John and I were at a restaurant and the waiter recommended a nice Cabernet. We got the bill and it was $13,000. And she said, how can you casually recommend that wine? We didn't even finish it, and it had been cleared. I don't know about you, Gordon, but I've never, ever accidentally ordered something that costs uh, $13,000. You mean Delta Zone, Chrissy Teigen? That, that very same. So what's the most expensive thing you've eaten that you thought sucked, Gordon? Uh, I had a uh, – I had a <laughs> – Sorry, I had a twenty-eight dollar hamburger once that sucked. Twenty-eight dollars for a hamburger? What did you? Yeah. Where did you pay? Would you uh, buy that? It was a, a shishi restaurant in Southern California, and they everybody everybody raved about this special hamburger that was at this restaurant. And I, you know, I'm a, you know I'm a huge lover of hamburgers. Well, I'm a I'm a huge hamburger lover. Wait, I, <laughs> that makes it sound like I've eaten too many hamburgers. Uh, well, my point is I love hamburgers. And so I was very excited about it. And it, uh, no, it didn't settle well with me. 
It wasn't good. I was, I, well, I thought it was going to be fantastic. And it was, you know what it was? A hamburger is not supposed to be that rich. You know, it's very heavy, very rich. And I, I no, it wasn't me. I thought you were going to go with, like, beluga caviar or something, but I, 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 I should have known that somebody with a sophisticated palate of you uh, enjoys beluga caviar. <laughs> no, no I, I have not had a bad drink, so the $13,000 bottle of wine is... Did they take the bottle with them? No, that's what she said. They took it she away before they, the were even, before they were even done. They cleared it. Well... Th- why? Why didn't they? Why didn't she just, you know, give it to a friend who's a wine connoisseur or something? You know, I mean, they didn't. Uh, that's the point of a thing. They didn't know it cost thirteen grand until they got the bill and the wine was gone, like the removed from the table. I got you. I got you. Okay. Well, well, yeah. Uh, how about you? Have you ever had anything that uh, greatly underwhelmed you for what you were paying for? Not really, but I haven't had that many expensive meals. Really? What do you mean, really? You've never gone to a nice restaurant? I have, but I haven't had that many. Certainly not uh, something that I'd come away, uh, you know. I don't know what the most expensive meal I've ever paid for, but it uh, <laughs> it, it doesn't happen that often. Yeah. All right. You're talking, well, to been... a, you're talking to a crown burger kind of guy. Well, I mean, that's what I'm talking about. I love that. But but I just wondered, have you ever been disappointed by a, a meal that you thought was going to be? I, I yeah, ordered every a, time I cook, I ordered <laughs> I ordered a pricey uh, meal at a restaurant once uh, that uh, I was really looking forward to, and it, it, it not the hamburger. It was I forget what it was. It was some sort of meat dish. Uh, oh man, I just didn't like it at all. What's the most uh, expensive meal that uh, the trip has ever paid for for you? (laughs) Oh, I don't play that game. (laughs) Come on, no, no, I've never, I've never really over, overdone that. I mean, I'm not my good friend Kurt Cragthorpe who used to, uh, you know ride on buses instead of taking uh, airplane flights uh, in order to save the, the company a little money. But I I, I can't remember. One time I, I went down to uh, to cover a football game, and my, my total uh, expense for that was like 500 bucks more than my colleague who stayed at a different hotel. So I had I had that one experience but i mean it was it was not a meal well it, there might be some meals involved but it wasn't uh, exorbitant you know joe i know 120 dollars is a little much to spend for lunch but the ruth chris was right next door <laughs> it's right there so yeah you know. it would have cost a lot more for me to have to like get in a cab you know and 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 go to a, a lesser restaurant somewhere you know and no, no, I've, I've always been, I can't remember a time when I felt like I was taking advantage of a situation like that. I don't. It, it, to me, it's not worth it. It's not, it's one, it's, I don't, I don't believe it's really ethical. Secondly, I don't, I, I, why, why put yourself in a situation like that? I, See, like it, I, I've never done it on purpose. I may have done it one <laughs> time. It one time, I one time I stayed at a, at a at a hotel in Chicago when the Jazz were playing in the finals back there, and it was just a it was a run of the mill uh, hotel, but there was price gouging going on, and it was it was really expensive. 
Uh, but I had there was nothing I could do about that. You know that you know that saying. Uh, you're not lying if you believe what you're saying is true. Have you ever you ever heard that? You know you're not taking advantage if you always believe that you're not taking advantage. Uh, yeah, but the, <laughs> no, I think I think uh, I can say that with some degree of confidence. I believe that I haven't done this throughout my career. I told you about the time that our good friend Kevin. Kevin, Kevin Graham, uh, he made the reservations for us, uh, and we, <laughs> I had no, I had no clue what this hotel was going to look like. And when I walked in the room, uh, there were, I think, I swear, it looked like blood stains on the carpet, and I, and I, it was, it was really, really cheap. And I, so I looked up on online what the reviews were for the hotel, and the first review I read said. I did not feel safe in this in this place. Do not stay here. We know you're uh, I I'm well aware of your reputation over there at the Trib. I know what's going on. You, you uh, um Kurt was over there at the at the Motel 6 and uh, you can find Gordon at the Ritz. I've talked well, to enough no, of your no, co-workers that, 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 over that, that, there. That, I know true. what's going on. That's not true, but on that occasion when Kevin booked our booked our place to stay uh, he, I, I said to Kurt, I said, Kurt, I finally beat you on a lower price. And but I, you told, didn't. I told him what Kevin it was did. and he, yeah. But then he said, Nope, I'm, I'm uh, 10 bucks less a night down the street from there. So I couldn't even beat him on that occasion. I was really disappointed. All right. We'll have uh, more coming up next. Uh, stay tuned. It is the big show. I want to remind you about our friends at Jimmy's flowers. Valentine's day is coming quick. You got to be ready, and of course, flowers make the perfect gift. Order today while the selection is great. You can get them delivered. It's Jimmy's Flowers with locations in Ogden, Layton, and Bountiful. Also, Jimmy'sFlowers.com. This Jimmy's Flowers. We'll get to what's going on coming up next. 97.5 and 1280 of the zone.